welcome in to another episode of the Cali Green Monster Show. Coming to you here on a feel-good Friday, March 5th, 2021. Recording here out of the Tesla Studios here in beautiful sunny San Diego, California. Got a packed show today. Going to cover the three UFC title fights for tomorrow night's UFC 259. As well as covering the main event of the prelims that will be on ESPN Plus and ESPN before the pay-per-view. But before I dig into that, I just want to address something because today I looked myself in the mirror and I had to admit that I am in a toxic relationship and I keep looking like a clown every time I keep falling for keep keep falling for the same thing. And no, it's not a to- toxic relationship with a person. I'm talking about I have a toxic relationship with Sony and trying to get this PlayStation 5. I've told you before in a past episode how obnoxious it's been that this release of the PlayStation 5, that we are into the fifth month of it being released, and it's nearly still impossible to get one. So yesterday, I fell for it again. I was I saw quickly on Facebook that Walmart was going to be releasing PlayStation 5s for sale at noon, like right at noon. So like a sucker, I thought, hey, maybe it's they fixed it. May, I've heard of more people online actually getting it because, you know, back in December, there was literally no one on social media that was saying it. Like all the comment boards were like, I don't I haven't gotten it or whatever. But now you're actually seeing people that got it through Walmart or whatever. So I thought, hey, maybe Maybe I'll even, let's just see if I can even get one in my cart, okay? So I posted up, had my laptop ready, you know, it was lunchtime at work, had my work computer, had the clock on the work computer so it could show the seconds. So, like, literally, as soon as it hit noon, like, right as it hit 12, like, right on my Mac, it hit 12, I hit refresh, and then sure as shit puts you in this, like, waiting lobby, and then boom puts you in it's like oh add to cart and i was just like oh holy holy shit holy shit holy shit yes add to cart and it's like air try again try again add to cart oh oh try again out of stock check back at 12 10 so it's like huh okay check back in 10 minutes so i'm thinking maybe that's how they're gonna like combat the bots like maybe it's like oh release it at multiple 10 minute intervals and maybe the bots only snag them right off the bat but same thing, 1210 comes, I refresh it. Oh, add to cart. Oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, shit, yeah, yeah. No, error. Retry, refresh, refresh. Oh, out of stock. Try again at 1220. And this pattern persisted for the next hour and a half. Like, even when I went back to work in the lab, I had a timer to just remind me, like, at, oh, it's it's uh, 1259. Get ready, because at 1 o'clock, they're going to have more. And, of course, like a fucking clown. I did it. Same thing. So until finally, I think at 1.30, it just said this item's out of stock. So I don't know what the fuck is going on. I don't know how you're ever going to be able to get a PlayStation 5. Got egg on my face. And every time I tell I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to fall for this again. But just like Offspring Song... I just have no self-esteem, apparently, when it comes to Sony and the PlayStation 5. So, you know, the next time I see another hint that, hey, Walmart's going to be having the PlayStation 5 at, like, 2 p.m. today, like, I'm probably going to go try to get it, and then I'm going to be upset again. Well, at this point, I'm not even upset. Like, I just kind of, like, laugh at it and just more like, fuck these guys. But is it really fuck these guys when I'm still trying to go spend my money and get it? But, you know, whatever. 
I'm assuming at some point I'm going to get it maybe by next Christmas, you know, and maybe by that point, uh, it'll be, there'll be more PlayStation five exclusives and it'll be so much better. So, you know what? You're doing me a favor, Sony. I, in all honesty, I have no place to even put the PlayStation five. <clears throat> Sorry. Whew. I had to clear my throat. I'm going to be doing a lot of talking today. I even brought water in anticipation for that. But like I said, I think Sony's doing me a favor. The PlayStation 5 is pretty huge, so I don't even think I have a place to stick it right now. That's been one of the problems with the Nintendo Switch that we got this past weekend is that my son wants to touch it and play with it at all times, so we have to stick it you know, locked in a drawer. So I can only imagine with that big, awesome, white-looking PlayStation 5 tower what that's going to be like to my son. But... Let's move past that. I think if anyone here came here for, you know, UFC talk, you're probably like, Dean, shut the fuck up. We don't want to hear about video games and PlayStation 5 and how you're a big nerd and get upset over it. Let's talk some UFC, all right? So before we dig into the title fights, you know, I usually just cover, you know, the main event or the fights that kind of pique my interest. You know, one of the fights that does interest me a lot is the main event of the prelims, and that's the... Dominic Cruz versus Casey Kenny. So Dominic Cruz is, you know, I feel like is, in my opinion, the 135-pound bantamweight greatest of all time. You know, people might argue about that, and especially maybe more recent UFC fans might not agree with that. But that's just because you don't really know too much about Dominic Cruz. So, you know, Dominic Cruz is somebody who, you know, he's a two-time bantamweight champion. And even before the UFC had a bantamweight division. You know, he was back in WEC and he was the champion there. You know, he has wins over like Mighty Mouse Johnson and a, and a bunch of other people, you know, Uriah Faber twice. And, you know, when the UFC finally folded WEC's 135 pound and 145 pound division, Dominic Cruz was the inaugural champion. And he was literally you know, unbeatable at the time because, you know, 10 years ago, you know, UFC, you know, mixed martial arts is still a relatively new sport. You know, in the 90s when the first UFC happened, Royce Gracie was able to dominate just because he knew jiu-jitsu and everybody else didn't. You know, one of the things that make Dominic Cruz so good and revolutionary is because he was able to just use his movement and switch his stances and, you know, fly in with jabs. And, you know, before you knew it, you'd come in to try to hit him and he'd already be gone. And, you know, he was called the dominator because he would literally dominate these guys by, you know, he would win every round because you couldn't even touch Dominic Cruz. You know, so he was a stud and really the only thing that really derailed his career. And I feel like he's one of the biggest what ifs in MMA or UFC history is because of his list of injuries. And I know you might be wondering if you're not familiar with Dominic Cruz, it's like, okay, like lots of people have injuries, but like Dominic Cruz has had, it's like for an athlete, it's extremely abnormal amount of injuries. And the fact that he's continually come back, you know, through adversity to keep coming back and fighting is admirable. So you look back at 2012, he was coaching the ultimate fighter with Uriah Faber. He was going to be fighting him again and tore his ACL. So that was at the like middle of 2012. And by the end of 2012, where you'd figure he was probably doing better with his rehab and stuff, I guess the cadaver ACL that he got in his knee didn't take. So he had to get another ACL surgery. Then in 2014, he was supposed to fight Henan Burrell to unify the Bantamweight title belts. But instead, Dominic Cruz tore his groin. So they just stripped him of his Bantamweight belt. 
then finally he he makes it back you know he fight he's fighting Takia Mitsugaki and I remember it was like three over three years since Dominic Cruz had fought and I think he was headlining the prelims at that time as well I had just moved to San Diego and I remember I was super excited to see him fight and before you could blink your eye Dominic Cruz had starched Takia Mitsugaki it was like Dominic Cruz is back he's ready to go he's going to go challenge T.J. Dillashaw it's going to be awesome and then guess what happens he tears his ACL in his other knee so he's out again so it's just like bad luck and you know it's it's seriously it's like you know now he's torn both ACLs okay he eventually comes back in January of 2016 and challenges straight for the title you know I think Dana White learned the lesson it's like dude this guy at this point his knees are probably glass so if he's healthy enough let's just put him in the title shot let's see what he can do because like I said at this point I think he only had one loss and that was early in his career to Uriah Faber but you know since then he just literally dominated everybody so they put him in with TJ Dillashaw and Dominic Cruz won you know it was a split decision it was fight of the night it was awesome they put it on cable TV it wasn't on a pay-per-view and it was an awesome fight and considering that Dominic Cruz had only fought like once and I think in five years that like 30 seconds starching of Takiya Mitsugaki to come in and beat TJ Dillashaw a dude that a lot of people also consider a, a possible bantamweight goat you know now steroids kind of ruining that reputation but you know he came in and beat a pretty awesome dude and then in 2016 he was trying to stay active he completed his trilogy by beating Uriah Faber but then he ran into Cody Garbrandt in November of 2016 and Cody Garbrandt what was really impressive about that fight was the first time we'd ever really seen Dominic Cruz really get hit and get basically what he does to other people he got done to him I mean Cody Garbrandt was breakdancing and you making Dominic Cruz miss and that's just something that I don't think you would see and I think that's definitely was kind of a a sign that Dominic Cruz wasn't peak Dominic Cruz anymore and that you know the game has started to catch up to him you know what when he was dominating you know the bantamweight division in the late 2000s and early 2010s before he had that string of injuries his movement was very unique but you know Cody Garbrandt showed that hey other people can do it as well and it was actually like I remember it was a big win for alpha male because up until that point Dominic Cruz had just been knocking every alpha male guy off so after that happened Man, I realize I'm talking a lot about Dominic Cruz, <laughs> but oh well. Hey, he's got a long story, and I feel like people should know it, you know, and they should really tune in to watch. But after he lost to Garbrandt, he was supposed to fight in 2017, and then he ended up having a shoulder injury that made him miss an entire year. Um, no, actually, no. In 2017, when he was supposed to fight Jeremy Rivera, he broke his arm. And then in 2019, that's when he had the shoulder injury that made him miss a year. So then last year in 2020, he was in May of 2020, he fought Henry Cejudo after a three-year layoff. So it's just like another huge layoff. He fought Henry Cejudo for the title, um, 135, and he got TKO'd in the second round. You know, I mean, it's not nothing I don't think you could really talk anything bad about Dominic Cruz there Henry Cejudo's a U.S. Olympic gold wrestling champion he was 125 pound champion and he was you know the 135 pound champion so losing to Henry Cejudo is like nothing to really scoff your nose at so you know Dominic Cruz 
he looked good in the he looked good in that fight until he didn't. I think the one thing that was disappointing about that was he was accusing the referee of being drunk and smelling like cigarettes. So I thought that was kind of you know kind of like when I was talking about Paulo Costa earlier in the week. I'm not really a fan of of fighters coming out with these strange excuses or trying to you know because in my opinion I didn't think it was a bad loss or a bad stoppage it was one of those things where I remember when the ref stopped it it was one of those things like dude Dom- Dominic you were just gonna you were honestly just gonna keep taking a beating so I feel like especially for a guy who's gonna have a pretty illustrious career I think outside the cage he's one of the best UFC commentators that they have so I think you know saving him from a beating was actually the referee was looking out for him so you know he's coming you know I'm, I'm looking forward to his fight this time you know he's fighting a young dude Casey Kenny Casey Kenny's a minus 137 favorite and you know I didn't know too much about him you know it's he's 16 2 and 1 he's on a three fight win streak you know he fought twice in October like I've seen interviews with him where he just like he says hey he just wants to fight and fight as much as possible you know and his last fight was a fight of the night I looked this morning I kind of watched highlights from that so he just looks like a scrapper that's going to be try to be in Dominic Cruz's face the whole time and you know even in an interview he was mentioning that like Dominic Cruz he his style was unique five to ten years ago but the game's caught up and you could even see like in in Casey Kenny's fight he's got good movement as well and it looks like his shots have some power so I think that you know the young dude Casey Kenny I think he's going to beat Dominic Cruz and you know with that I think that it'll probably send Dominic Cruz probably into the announcement booth you know for you know for the rest of his career you know I think that you know he's he's already come back off of a couple big layoffs I think he cemented his status at least in real MMA fans minds that he was you know I think he's a hall of famer and I like I said I I think at this point he's the greatest of all time at 135 so I think he has nothing left to prove and you know I don't think he's going to be able to get it done this week or this weekend but at also you can't ever count Dominic Cruz out so don't be surprised if he pulls it out so when the pay-per-view starts there's going to be two fights before the three title fights so i'm just going to quickly highlight them i'm not going to talk in too much detail about them but just want to highlight them just so you know that they're there so the first fight it's going to be a light heavyweight tilt between number two tiago santos and alexander rakic so alexander rakic is a minus 167 favorite Tiago Santos, who's coming off, a, he's a two, on a two-fight losing streak. However, I mean, they're against the most notable people in the 205 division. He went five rounds with John Jones, and then he lost to Glover Teixeira in his last fight. So, I mean, they're not just, you know, they're the cream of the crop of 205. And Rakic, he's coming off a win over Anthony Smith in his last fight. So, to me, I think that Rakic is going to get it. I'm just going to go with the younger guy, but... I think this is kind of one of those just pick em fights, you know. And then the next fight, second fight, it's a lightweight match between Islam Makachev or Mak- yeah, Makachev versus Drew Dover. Makachev is a minus 335 favorite. He's a huge favorite. You know, this is uh, a dude from Dagestan. He hasn't fought since uh, 2019. He's on a six-fight win streak. And, you know, I, I'm just going to pick this dude because, you know, and it, Every time there's a Dagestani fighter, 
it seems like those dudes just dominate and this guy seems no different so until until i see a dagestani guy lose in the ufc cage i'm just gonna keep picking them so i don't know if that's the best analysis on that one but that there you go all righty let's get into these title fights so the first one i'm going to cover is the 135 pound bantamweight men's title between peter yan and aljamain sterling as of this morning it looked like the odds are even so no one's a favorite in this one you know peter yan is undefeated in the ufc this is a guy that he's got a boxing base like boxing and muay thai he was a russian guy i watched in his last fight with Jose Aldo, you know, Jose Aldo is one of the, you know, one of the greatest of all time. You know, he's the great, I think, in my opinion, the greatest 145 pound featherweight champion of all time. And he did that with excellent Muay Thai. And Peter Yan, you know, he stood toe to toe with Jose Aldo in his last fight. And, you know, it just looked better. His movement was great. His yes, head movement was great. Body movement was great. He threw hard shots, and he you know he has an exciting fighting style. You know, before that, you know he fought Uriah Faber. Uriah Faber had come out of retirement, and I think a lot of us diehard MMA fans were hoping, hey, maybe Uriah Faber, the California kid, is going to be able to, you know, make a run at a title shot. You know, this late, you know, coming out of retirement, but you know Peter Yan, you know, kicked. Uriah Faber's head into the 15th row and that just ended that you know he has also notable wins over Jimmy Rivera and John Dodson so you know Peter Yan he's he's a tough dude and I think he's a you know he's a great 135 pound champ and is filled you know I think he's filled the slot that Henry Cejudo left you know pretty well and this matchup is it's going to be great I mean you look at the how the betting odds are right now and it's even so the, the even the sports books or know it's going to be a really tight fight because Aljamain Sterling, he's a tough dude as well. He's on a fight-fight win streak in his last fight. He submitted Corey Sanhagen. This was a fight that was back in the summer. And Corey Sanhagen, you know, he's someone else that people are think, are talking about getting in the title picture. The last time we saw him, he it was the excellent flying knee knockout of Frankie Edgar, which probably, in my opinion, probably should send Frankie Edgar into retirement. So, you know, Aljamain Sterling, he's got slick wrestling. He's a two-time Division Three NCAA wrestling champion. And, you know, he's got like a funky style. He's got really long limbs. You know, when you're watching him fight, he almost kind of looks like a mini John Jones in a way, like with his long limbs. And, you know, he's, yeah, when you watch him wrestle, I think his wrestling translates really well to the cage. So, you know, when I'm picking this fight, it, it was really hard. I was kind of going back and forth. But I think Aljamain Sterling's range and his wrestling base I think he's going to be able to pull it off. So if I'm making the pick, I'm picking Sterling by decision. So we'll see. I mean, Peter Yan, like I said, he's got excellent stand-up. His boxing is great. His movement, he's aggressive. And it's going to be a tough out. But, you know, I think Aljamain Sterling, I think he's going to be able to pull it off. So, you know, depending on what you think, I guess, you know, maybe since I'm picking the challenger, you can consider that maybe an upset pick but um you know i think the fight's so close i wouldn't consider picking either guy considering and consider it an upset 
So the next title fight we got on the books, we got the women's featherweight, Amanda Nunez. He's, she's the double champ, you know, champion at featherweight and 135 bantamweight. She's a minus 1250, huge, huge, huge favorite against Megan Anderson from Australia. She's a plus 750, you know. Amanda Nunes, what is there to say about her? You know, she's the greatest of all time female fighter. She looks like she hits like a dump truck. And I remember hearing Kat Zingano an interview with her because Kat Zingano was the last person to beat Amanda Nunes. But she was saying that Amanda Nunes hits so hard that basically she, her head, like, Amanda Nunes gave her a concussion and her head was ringing for like, I think, like the next year or so. So, you know, Amanda Nunes, she's incredible she's a great stand-up muay thai specialist from brazil she's literally ran through the who's who of you know when you look at her resume it's basically the greatest women's fighter of all time you know on her 11 fight win streak she's beaten valentina shevchenko twice now she's the 125 pound champion and and arguably the second best women's fighter around right now whenever shevchenko fights it's almost a foregone conclusion that she's going to win. So like, she's just as dominant in a way as Amanda Nunes, but just at the 125 pound division, you know, so she beaten Valentina Shevchenko twice. She took the title from Misha Tate, sent Misha Tate into retirement, just beat her ass. And then Ronda Rousey sent Ronda Rousey into fake fighting and WWE just beat her up. That was crazy because the build up to that fight, it was all Ronda Rousey. They weren't even talking about Amanda Nunes. And as soon as that fight started, Amanda Nunes just like got up in her face, hit her once. And I remember right off the bat, it was like, oh, dude, stop the fight. Stop the fight. Like Ronda Rousey's already done. She was just like putting her hands up, just like, oh, God, oh, God, don't hit me. And just Amanda Nunes just beat the shit out of her. And I remember even after the fight, she was just like, you know, like almost kind of like felt disrespected. Like, hey, you guys weren't even like covering me. I'm the champ. And she's like, you know, I'm the I'm the real deal. You know, and she really is. You know, because after beating Ronda Rousey, she's gone on to beat Chris Cyborg for the featherweight title. You know, Chris Cyborg was arguably up until that point that considered the greatest female fighter of all time. You know, she was just a destroyer. Every time you'd watch her fight people, it was just it was a massacre. I remember back in college, I'll still I always remember this girl's name, Jan Finney. If you can look it up, go look up Cyborg versus Jan Finney. This chick was tough. Cyborg just beating her the crap out of her for like three rounds, and she was bloody. She kept coming, but Cyborg, man, she's tough. She's scary. I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want to run into her, into her in a dark alley. But you know, Amanda Nunes took her out, and she's also beaten Holly Holm. She's beaten Jermaine Durandame, and she's beaten a list of other people. So you know, Amanda Nunes is tough, tough, and. I don't see, you know, there's a reason why she's a minus twelve fifty favorite. You know, Megan Anderson, she's tough as well. You know, she entered the UFC as the Invictica FC champ. So Invictica FC is a all women's MMA promotion. So she came in as the featherweight champion from there. And, you know, she's gone on a three and two. You know, she's you know, she's over five hundred in the UFC, but she's three and two. Her two losses have come to Holly Holm. You know, and Holly Holm with that, you know, she's one of the best of all time. She's the one that basically broke the mystique of Ronda Rousey. When Holly Holm beat Megan Anderson, she went on to get a title shot against Amanda Nunes for the one hundred and thirty five pound belt. And then her next loss was against Felicia Spencer. 
And then Spencer, with that victory, moved on to fight for the featherweight title against Amanda Nunes. So, you know, a win over Megan Anderson to everyone else in, like, the division that fights her is considered a big deal and a nice resume booster because she is a tough fighter. You know, she's tall, she's six feet, and she's got a 72 and a half inch reach. You know, compared to Amanda Nunes, who's five foot eight and only has a 69 inch reach. So that's definitely going to create some problems. However, I just think Amanda Nunes is just the real deal. You know, she's, I, I, I can see that even though Megan Anderson's the bigger person. Amanda Nunes just has such aggressive and such fluid Muay Thai, and I just think that her her power is she's going to be able to chop Amanda or Megan Anderson down. And I have Amanda Nunes. I have her winning by TKO in round four, so book that. I you know with those kind of odds, you could always throw some money on Megan Anderson because you know so someone looks unbeatable until they are beatable. But I'm just not really seeing that happening tomorrow night for this fight. All right, moving on to the main event. We've got, it's for the light heavyweight title. It's Jan Blakovich versus the middleweight champion who's moving up to 205 to try to uh, become a double champ. It's Israel Adesanya. Adesanya is the minus 230 favorite. You know, it's interesting, you know, since he's the younger weight guy coming up in weight class and you know he's the yeah he's the favorite and basically all the coverage if you've been watching ESPN it has been all Adesanya like every every video you see it's like Israel 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 Adesanya there there oh there's Jan back to Israel Adesanya 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 oh hey there's Jan again so it's like I feel like Jan has definitely been pushed to the back burner and but that's how he's been for these past four fights you know he's He's on a four-fight win streak, and it's been really impressive. And, you know, he's been overlooked and I think been considered the underdog, and people were picking against him in all those fights. You know, he, you know, it started off with Luke Rockhold. A lot of people assumed Luke Rockhold was moving up to 205 to be a real challenger. And, you know, Jan's heavy hands knocked him out, KO2. Then he fights Jacques Ray Souza. I think a lot of people thought Jacques Ray Souza, he's one of the best jiu-jitsu practitioners in MMA. They thought, I think people were picking him. Nope, Jan got him in decision five. Corey Anderson. Corey Anderson was someone who was just on a roll. I remember when he, the fight before Jan Blakovich, he was yelling at Dana White, you know, like basically, you know, feeling like he was ready for a title shot. And I think over a win over Jan would have given him a title shot. Nope, dude. The Polish hammer knocked him out in the first round. And then when John Jones left the 205-pound title vacant, it was him versus Dominic Reyes for to fight for it. And a lot of people were picking Dominic Reyes because Dominic Reyes like was able to give John Jones a handful. And if hey, if you're able to give John Jones a handful, you should theoretically be able to beat anybody, right? But dude, Blakovich, he. You know, he wore him down in the second round, just got him. It was kind of crazy because at the beginning, you know, Reyes looked like he was going to be the, the right pick. You know, he was his, his kicks were snapping. He was, you know, he's looking great. But Blakovich, dude, he's a tough dude. He's a tough Polish motherfucker. And he's got heavy hands. And he was able to absorb it and keep going through. And as we've seen with, like, Rockhold and – and um Corey Anderson and then Dominic Reyes he's got heavy hands and he can end the fight at any time and I think that that you know could potentially 
cause problems for Adesanya. So, you know, obviously, Adesanya has way more weapons at his disposal. Like, if you look at his kickboxing and just the way he fights, he does have more weapons than Jan Blakovich. You know, his last five fights have been, you know, it's an impressive list. You know, he's fought Anderson, beat Anderson Silva, Kelvin Gaslam, Robert Whitaker, Yoel Romero, Diego Costa. You know, he's, he's the real deal, you know, just like, you know, just like Amanda Nunes, how she's the real deal. So is Adesanya. And I think a lot of, you know, the UFC has put a lot of promotion into Israel Adesanya. He's on the cover of the UFC four video game with Jorge Masvidal. Um, as I mentioned, a lot of this coverage for this pay-per-view has been revolving around Adesanya going for the two belts. And, but I think, you know, this fight just kind of smells, I'm smelling upset. I feel like it's been cut. They're covering Adesanya so much and it just seems like such a foregone conclusion. And especially that, you know, this has been a trend now for Blakovich. He's always overlooked, but, and, and, and he's been overlooked for good reason, you know, Blakovich when he entered the UFC, I think he he started out his run in UFC at two and four, with four losses. So it seemed like he was just going to be a journeyman guy. Whenever I'd play like the UFC video game, Blakovich was a good guy to just kind of beat the crap out of before you started fighting some of the higher tiered guys, you know. But he's eight and one since that two and four start, and. Even though Adesanya has more weapons and, you know, I think his kickboxing is more fluid and can do more things in the cage, sometimes that doesn't matter if the other guy has got size and can just knock you out with one punch, which Blakovich has. It's already come out in interviews with um, Ariel Helwani that Adesanya says that, you know, he's probably not going to be coming in at near 205. You know, there's a lot of, you know, he's saying that probably about 200 he'll probably be coming in but he said also don't be surprised if he weighs in around 193 194 now that could be just hype and they're probably going to be weighing in i'm not going to lie i mean this is eight o'clock in the morning on friday so they should be weighing in soon so we're going to find out soon enough but you know ariel talked to both jan and israel and jan blakovich thinks he's going to be coming into the cage around 220 225 so if he's coming in around that heavy and Israel Adesanya, like at the most, will be coming around 200, you know, that's a 20 to 25 pound weight difference, you know, and, and Adesanya even saying if 193, 194, if that's, if that's real. So there's, there could be a potentially 30 pound weight difference and, you know, anyone that's grappled or done wrestling or any sort of combat sports would tell you that you know that there's there's a reason why there's weight classes you know i think in high school wrestling like i don't even think that the the weight differences are like i think they're even less than 10 pound weight differences you know when i've done jujitsu it's like you know the weight difference is real and so where adesanya he's obviously going to be faster and going to be trying to make blakovich mitts they're going to be fighting in the ufc apex center if i believe correctly and that's a smaller cage, so that's going to be less room for Adesanya to move. So he's going to have to make Blakovich miss for 25 minutes. And I'm just thinking that he's going to get him. I think he's going to get him at some point. 
you know, I feel like in the past when, you know, the, it, it's happened more times than I can count, you know, just in, in many sports, you know, it happened in football, you know, in the Super Bowl with, you know, a lot of people are picking the Chiefs. And, you know, I feel like it's happened a lot of times in fights in the past where when it seems like a sure thing and it looks like a sure thing and Dana White is putting all the promotion power behind it. But I don't think it's a sure thing, you know, and this is going to be like, you know, I guess you can call it the Cali Green Monster upset of the week. So I got Blakovic KO in round three. So we'll see. I'm looking forward to these fights. I hope you guys are too. I'm looking, I'm going to bring in you guys uh, basically a post fight show either Saturday night right after the fights or probably Sunday morning. And let's be real, you're probably not going to be looking for a Cali Green Monster show to drop at midnight on Sunday. So look for it on Sunday morning. I'm looking forward to talk about these fights. We'll see how my picks did. And well, yeah, we'll see if we're going to get a, a surprise in the main event. But until then, guys, it's been a Cali Green Monster show. I'm your host, Dean Ryan. Have a great weekend, guys. Peace.